Hello and welcome to Capital Ideas, and if you've been here before, welcome back. This is the occasional podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Today's guest is State Representative Jerry Paulette, and we're talking about special education. You'll hear the specifics in just a minute, and I promise you Jerry has a lot of ideas on this subject, and he's passionate about every one of them. First, an introduction. Jerry represents the 46th Legislative District, which runs from the Montlake Cut north to near the county line and includes a good deal of North Seattle, as well as Kenmore Lake City and Lake Forest Park. He's a public interest lawyer, teaches at the University of Washington, and has more awards and honors than you can shake a stick at. He's vice chair of the House Higher Education Committee and sits on the Appropriations and Finance Committees as well. We talked a few days ago, and here's how it went. Welcome, Jerry. I really appreciate you spending a little bit of time today with Capital Ideas. There are a number of big issues that the legislature is going to be dealing with this year. What I want to talk to you today about is something that you have kind of gotten a specialty carved out, which is trying to improve Washington State's special education system and the services that that system provides. What's the problem with special education as it exists right now in Washington State? Dan, the biggest structural deficit from the state to our school districts is the lack of funding for those children with special needs. And probably about a fifth of our students in the state have some special needs, many of which are not even assessed. So it's vital that we provide children with the assessment of what is causing a problem with their learning and make sure they get the services. Only about 55% of our students who are already diagnosed and given services even graduate from high school. Other states are well above that, and many of those students who don't make it through high school are underrepresented minorities, immigrants, language barriers, and that gets reflected back in the fact that their parents and guardians are the ones who are least likely to be able to advocate for themselves. And that's why it's important for the districts to have the money from the state to go and get the assessments done and provide services. For several years, we've been hearing about the McCleary case, the McCleary decision. And in 2018, the assumption was that because of actions taken by the legislature, this whole problem was solved. We fully funded the elements of basic education that the Supreme Court had under its review. Special education, bilingual education, as two examples, were not part of that. However, I will say this, the House and Senate Democratic leadership have said since the end of last session that funding special ed is a major priority, that we get it. We haven't fully funded this aspect of education. Well, now we're here at 2019. What mechanism do you believe will be used to keep this promise? Superintendent of Public Instruction Chris Reichdahl has proposed an increase in the formula for funding special education. Representative Tana Sen and I introduced legislation last year which would fully fund that deficit and we have a work group including Senator Wellman who is chair of education in the Senate and several other of our colleagues in the House who are united in making sure that we're going to change the structural formula so that we're fully funding special education. 
there's another serious problem that needs addressing, which is that our state years and years ago put a cap on how many students in a district will receive state funding for special education. It means that a district like Shoreline that has a fabulous reputation for helping students will not receive a penny for a student who is beyond 13.5% of the student population. They get zero dollars for the student who represents the 13.6%. We increased the cap a tiny bit two years ago. We've got to remove the cap. There's no reason to say that if a district, and particularly we know that the social causes of disabilities include poverty. It includes drug use from parents. It includes being born with alcohol or drug dependency. It includes exposure to lead. It includes exposure to air pollution. All of those things are, of course, much denser in poor neighborhoods. And having a cap on the percentage of children served is very discriminatory and unfair. One of the unique aspects of being a state legislator as opposed to maybe being a member of Congress is that you're pretty close to your constituents, and I assume that people come and talk to you about their situations. Dan, I came to the legislature with years of having to be an advocate for my child, and therefore you form a network with other parents who are advocates. And it turns out that the special education teacher community is also right there with us. And so they come to me, the teachers, the administrators in special ed, state education ombud, and many parents with real life stories of being denied services. State education ombud did a roundtable discussion with special ed administrators a few years ago at which I was sitting at a table with administrators from the Yakima Valley, for example, where in some of the school districts in mid-Columbia, 80% or 90% of the parents do not speak English as their primary language and probably rely on a child to do interpretation for them. And yet when they did qualify for what we call an individual education plan, that's how your child will get services, what they're entitled to, what the teacher will do special for them. The administrators acknowledged that they didn't provide them in Spanish and relied on often a child with a disability to sit there and interpret for their parents. That's just astonishing, but it's that's just one small aspect of this problem. King 5 TV did a fabulous investigative series in 2018 about the lack of funding and the human toll for special education in our state, including a student in a rural King County district who the district simply said after they moved into the district, the parents moved there, and the district said, go away, go somewhere else. We can't provide services, you'll bankrupt us. Even though it's a federal and state right to be educated in your school and to be integrated as much as possible into the general school population. I hear all the time from my work with the autistic community about how they have paraeducators who have never received a day of instruction in what autism is. 
and special education teachers who also don't know that there are different types of autism. Unfortunately, what we see as a result of this lack of training often is the use of isolation and restraint practices, physical restraints on students with autism, despite us having passed the law a couple years ago saying you can't plan to use physical restraints. Um, you can't plan to put a child in a closet because when they hear loud noises, they disrupt the classroom. You've got to work with them so that they're not going to react when they hear another student call out. This takes a training investment. It works really well, and yet the school districts don't have the funding to do the training, and so we still have students who are literally tied or have teachers sit on them or are put in restraint closets in our school buildings. So this comes down more to training and the availability of funding rather than just there are some school districts that have bad attitudes. I think there probably are a few school districts that we've seen as with the isolation restraint, despite passage of state law saying you can't do this. But for the most part, the districts recognize that they need training for their paraeducators and for their special ed and general ed classroom teachers. After all, the goal of special ed is to maximize the time a student is able to be part of the general classroom. And therefore, it's also the general education teacher who needs to know how to use what we call positive behavioral interventions with students with a disability, such as autism, where they may respond by withdrawing or calling out themselves if there is a sudden significant disruption in the classroom. But with training, students overcome that and we have terrific results. And that's what we see in other states. And that's why 85% of their students graduate despite having the same population and problems that we have. There's going to be a new state budget written here in the next several months. Look forward. Tell me what you think will be or can be different a year from now or two years from now. I'm hopeful that when we finish the 2019 session, we will be able to sit down with the school districts every legislator represents across the state and say to them, are you fully funded for special education now? and hear an answer back from them saying, yes, we're fully funded, that you've, we've changed the formula, and we've also gotten rid of this discriminatory cap on how many children, arbitrarily, we say, you're allowed to have with special needs. I have to give credit to King 5 Television's investigative reporter, Santa Frame, for going back into the history of our state's education system for identifying this problem and why this cap was maintained based on this really awful belief that people would game the system. I really do appreciate you spending more time than we had anticipated. I know you've got another appointment here, but before we close, what are your final thoughts on this episode of Capital Ideas? People who are listening need to let their legislators know if they have had difficulties accessing special education services. We need to hear those real-life stories. We need to hear from school board members and the school administrators about their experience, what their particular deficits are, and make sure that we're actually changing the formula 
in a way that meets their needs. I have a very good relationship with my three school districts where their chief financial officers are running the numbers as we turn the counter on the formula, making sure that they won't end up still underwater. And we need to do that with districts all over the state. I'm going to be heading out and going to work right now with the team of fellow legislators working on making sure that we change the formula so that special ed is fully funded in the state. Thank you for giving us a few minutes today, and I wish you the best. Thank you for talking about this real problem. Thanks, Dan. Well, that's it for today. If you feel like the last 15 minutes were time well spent, why not subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. What we talk about here is your state government. What happens here matters a whole lot, and the more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, and I thank you for listening.